Hey everybody, it's Will with Schedule Fly, and I'm I'm just I'm delighted today uh, to have Ray Villeman on the phone. Ray's out in Lake Tahoe, and uh, he owns multiple restaurants out in that area, and he's just a a long successful veteran in the restaurant business. He's been everything from uh, CEO of, of a large chain, um, senior management in some chains. He's owned his own restaurants for quite some time. He's been the executive director of the California Restaurant Association. He's just really put a mark on the restaurant business and has done very well and is well-respected and well-known and, and well-liked by uh, so many folks in the industry and was kind enough to take some time today to talk to us. So, Ray, uh, thank you very much for doing that, man. Absolutely. Glad to join you. So, um, so tell me about uh, a little bit about your career in the business. When did you get started in the business initially? Gosh, back in the uh, mid-80s, um, getting through college, you know, the typical work in a restaurant and make some tips and, and uh, work your way through college. So my first job was with a concept called Bennigan's out of Houston, Texas. Oh, yeah. For sure. I remember Bennigan's. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you've, uh, as I was mentioning in my intro, you've done a lot of things. And currently, you own, how many restaurants do you own in the Tahoe area? So we've got four full-service restaurants with a fifth licensed concept. Okay. Gotcha. And... I want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, independent restaurants and, and you've had the, the fortunate career to have experience in both independents and chains. And how, how, by the way, when did you, when did you start your first, your first restaurant? It was a solo independent restaurant. Uh, let's see. Back in, uh, I became a partner with a group back in 96. Okay. But I went solo uh, in 2000, I think was the first first year I opened up a restaurant on my own. Why did you want to do that? You know, I'd opened up at that point over 50 restaurants for the chains, and I felt like I was adequately prepared to, to do it on my own versus doing it for somebody else, so... Uh, I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur, and I thought the timing was right. What did you uh, What did you bring from your experience uh, with change to your own restaurant? And what's been What's been different that you've learned as an independent owner uh, that you had had you know had not learned previously in your experience in chains? Yeah, good question. So um, I, I get asked, you know, what are the danger points in opening up a restaurant all the time? Uh, I point to four areas that um, I think are critical, and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll just rattle them off. But everybody knows the location. I'll make or break a, a concept. But uh, the other three, you know, I, I absolutely learned how to be a better site selector working for the chains. They've got uh, immense uh, resources and data to choose from, and, uh so location was uh, a key learning for me. Uh, the other three areas are uh, what type of concept you want to open is critical to your success. So, for example, let's say uh, in Durham, uh, 
there are, you know, 25 pizza restaurants within a three-mile radius of where you're looking to open up a restaurant, and uh, you you decide you want to open up a pizza restaurant because you love pizza. It doesn't quite make any sense from a market demand standpoint. So you want to analyze a market and determine what's the greatest demand uh, for that area. So what's missing? You know, are there no Thai restaurants, for example? And is that target customer looking for Thai food? So um, concept is critical, how to develop a concept. I pretty much had to um, go in depth to learn on my own. The chains pretty much stick with their one concept. Yeah. But uh, when you go on your own, you got to learn how to develop a concept. And then um, management, you know, goes without saying experience is everything. And the change provided me with a wealth of uh, uh, experiences in dealing with uh, hourly employees and management and all, all levels of the organization. And that has proven to be extremely valuable. Uh, going on my own. Um, most restaurants fail because a ton of people jump into this business thinking it's easy and they're shocked by all the variables that need to be managed. Mm. Uh, and they go into it without systems as well. And then uh, the last area is capital. You know, people fall short of capital. They can't sustain their payroll. Um, that I, I learned on my own, but uh, the change definitely helped, but so so those are the basic breakdown of uh, critical areas. So um, you know, two out of the four, the change helped me extremely, and uh, you know, concept and capital management, I kind of had to learn on my own. Concept and cap. Well, let me. Uh, capital management is. Uh, do people not? Do they have unrealistic business plans? Do they just, or do they just not know they need? X number of months of operating capital or like, where do you find the gap in that? Uh, yeah, exactly. They, they go into it with the wrong business to plan expectations. So, you know, I'm constantly uh, reviewing plans and trying to explain, you know, what is the average construction cost per square foot in a particular region, for example. Uh, if the real estate market is hot and contractors are uh, extremely busy, the price of your build-out is going up, right? But uh, a lot of people have no concept of, you know, what does a 3,500-square-foot uh, restaurant build-out, uh, what is the estimate you should be projecting? And how do you go about finding that information? They just don't have any idea. And, uh, and then they spend too much money on the build-out, which leaves uh, little to nothing for payroll down the road to build the business or advertising or any of the other multitude of expenses. Yeah, for sure. Okay. It's really, those are good points and really good advice, man. Um, what about the, uh, when you talk about concept and you say, okay, so maybe there's not a Thai restaurant in an area and does this demographic want Thai? Like, how do you know that? How do you know if that demographic demographic wants Thai or whatever the concept might be? So there's a number of things that uh, the chains do really well is 
they they uh, analyze their target customer to the nth degree. Uh, as an independent operator, <clears throat> I typically have friends uh, in the area. I have other resources like my credit card companies that do my, my processing. Um, my vendors are a critical resource. So, for example, the last concept I opened up uh, was a Mexican concept. The first thing we did was uh, analyze the market. So I plotted out every restaurant in in our town, uh, say within one, three, and five mile radiuses. And it starts to paint a picture as you start to plot out existing restaurants. There's, you know, 22 pizza restaurants. There's uh, nine Asian concepts. There's five sushi restaurants. Uh, there's uh, 25 burger joints, and it starts to paint a picture uh, of what's existing. And mm-hmm. so you're looking for holes in that picture of what's missing. So then you determine, okay, there's, there's three or four possible concepts that don't exist or are, are not well served. So you narrow down those concepts but for me, the way we decided on Mexican was we, we uh, defined who our customer was. I, we live in a uh, highly tourist area, uh, ski resorts, that sort of thing. And we know from uh, uh, data that uh, over 65% come from the Bay Area, San Francisco, San Jose, the Peninsula. Um, and so we know where our customers coming from. We got certainly have an international mix, and then we have uh, predominant California, Nevada, and then you got the rest of the U.S. But we wanted to narrow down, you know, and get to know who the customer was uh, and what they were interested in. So then we did surveys uh, to these exact customers and the locals. Um, and the feedback that we get from the surveys is critical. Uh, through this process, we were able to nail down that um, a, a Mexican concept would do very well. Love it. Love it. Really good, strategic, well-thought-out process. See, this this is a lot of stuff that um, there's just a, so much thought and planning and just to those, those two aspects you just talked about, capital and concept. Um, so do you do you find that a lot of people are not taking the time to do, like going around and plotting out restaurants and things like are people not taking the the really important critical time that you uh, took and that you see successful owners take is that something you're seeing that they just don't maybe they don't know to do that or don't think they need to do that I I think that's a good point uh, there's two two things that we can take away uh, that we notice is um, those individuals that enter the restaurant industry that uh, they don't know what they don't know. Mm. So it never even occurred to them. They never even thought of it. Um, That's why I'm always recommending to first-time restaurateurs um, that they they, uh, work their network of well-known veteran restaurateurs. They they get advisors. They uh, really... Um, find a mentor to, to walk them through these types of uh, uh, 
processes. So uh, the other uh, part that we see from entrepreneurs is they discount it. Oh, I know who my customer is. Mm. Well, you know, do you really know? You know, I know you think, you know, uh, you, you, a lot of times they say, oh, my customer is 35 to 60. And I'm not going after the young kids or vice versa. But how do you know that? Do you have fact-based uh, data that says that? Uh, well, I can't find any. So if you dig deep enough, you can always find it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Um, that's really good advice, Ray. Let me ask you this. You were um, in management um, in some large organizations for a while. Did your leadership or management style change when you uh, began running independent restaurants? Absolutely. Um when I was growing up in the industry, uh, oftentimes my management style would reflect a chain company's uh, culture or management style of my immediate boss mm. uh, because we tend to mirror, reflect, you know, our boss's tendencies. And, uh, you know, back in the 90s, uh, the general school of thought for management and leadership was, you know, the customer is always right. The customer comes first. And after going, leaving the chains and going on my own, uh, that completely flipped. Uh, so oftentimes I'll ask new uh, restaurateurs when they're asking me questions, you know, uh, who's the most important person in your operation, in, in, your, in your business? And they'll say, oh, we say the customer usually. But uh, it's starting to get circulated enough with uh, a lot of media and press that your employees are, are the most important. And the reason your employees are the most important is because that's where uh, the magic or the execution has to begin, has to start. So real simple, if you have an engaged team, well-trained well-respected, recognized, and rewarded, that's going to reflect onto the customer. Uh, versus the old school was, you better do a good job or I'm going to replace you. Uh, that just encouraged your team members to resent and have uh, a lot of animosity for where they worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a really smart way to look at it. I do see that a lot more these days. Um and, you know, it's interesting because I, I see that I and mean, I see that style and that philosophy in that um, that that type of management, Ray. But but what I'm also hearing a lot, and I'm curious your thoughts on this, because it can vary in different parts of the country and so forth. But a lot of people are saying they're really struggling now to, um, you know, to find find good people and keep good people. It seems to be getting harder and harder. Is that something you all are experiencing? Very difficult uh, labor market. It's absolutely true. Uh, even here in California, with minimum wage going up to fifteen bucks an hour, uh, it's, it's getting scary. With, um, you know that moves the, the pay rate for many industries when your minimum wage goes up like that. It, it, it really requires an operator to build a reputation of what I call 
uh, of striving to become an employer of choice. So uh, let's say, um, Will, your kids, and you know, they, they want to come out to Tahoe after they graduate college and uh, do some ski bum years in the mountains. That's typically what we get up here. Um, when they arrive in the town, I want them to ask, they typically ask around their friends, people they meet, hey, where's a good restaurant to work? Which restaurants are busiest? Who, uh, who enjoys going to, going to work, right? So you, you got to build that reputation that when people come into a, into town looking for work, uh, you're on the radar. You're, you're easily recognized as one of the best spots to work. That's a critical uh, component for us because word of mouth and referrals by our internal employees have been huge. And so there's not one uh, solution that fits all, all you know, that, that is going to work for recruiting. You've got to do it all. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, yeah, that seems to be something that's that's just uh, it's just, just labor market is just becoming more and more challenging. What what are the? I mean, you've got a really good, broad perspective on the business, right? I know you've got you've been involved in a lot of um, private equity and just lots of different aspects of the business. So, what are some of the other what what things excite you about the hospitality business now, and what things concern you? Um. I'm excited by the evolution of concepts uh, starting to to uh, really shift the dynamic in this industry. As of, you know, 10 years ago, full-service restaurants were the majority of concepts that existed. That has now flipped to fast, casual, quick-serve concepts. Hmm. So <clears throat> what we're seeing is the Chipotle style of restaurants um, uh, exploding in all categories of concepts. So, you know, you've got Asian, you've got uh, uh, burgers, you've got pizza, you've got anything you can think of, sandwiches, obviously, that are uh, more fast casual. They, they feel like a full-service restaurant, but they, uh, you have to order from a cashier. So watching the industry evolve and, and change is very exciting to me because you're always looking for the next big winning concept. What's concerning me is the compression on margins. Hmm. It's already tough to make money in this business. Um, now with wage pressures and a tightening labor market, uh, it just compounds the, the challenge. Um, I'm very involved in, uh, our political process out here in California. So we constantly are lobbying our politicians. And my, my biggest concern is the lack of business knowledge, uh, yeah. that, that our politicians do not have and, uh, how their decisions affect and regulate our industry. Yeah, wages, hours they can work, when they can work, when they can't. Yeah, it really is uh, becoming a complicated puzzle, isn't it? Scheduling restrictions is a, is a 
bill that's up again up up in uh, the assembly right now. They want to force restaurants in all industries to post a schedule three weeks in advance. Mm. And if you make any changes to it, you get fined. So it's it's just getting ridiculous. Yeah, even if the employees are requesting the change, huh? (laughs) Exactly. And this industry is well known for its flexibility. Is that really going to, does that have a chance of getting passed, right? That just makes no sense. I mean, it, it, it's totally the opposite of the way the industry operates for good reason for the employees. <laughs> but, yeah, so it's coming from uh, organized labor. It's coming from uh, the job security, right? Yeah. Um, they're saying that uh, single moms, single parents have to be guaranteed um their shift to be able to rely on a steady income. And they're not looking at it from an industry to industry uh, impact, Hmm. just like minimum wage. You know, our servers make 25, 30 bucks an hour, yet they're getting a minimum wage increase of a buck every year until it hits 2000, until it hits $15 an hour. So they're, they're rewarding uh, the people who don't need it. And tipped employees, we don't have tip credit in California. So uh, that's another example of how they're not thinking through their their regulations, their, their bills that they're passing. Good grief. Um, I don't well, want to get too political. <laughs> no, no, I understand. Well, I mean, it's, it's a, uh, um, I mean, it's just a, that's a really important issue that would affect um, tens of thousands, gosh, in California, probably hundreds of thousands of people, uh, and their livelihood and the way they're, the way they, they work and the way they're scheduled. And, um, well, that's interesting. Uh, what, look, well, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks. Are you, uh, hearing from your operators that, uh, uh, Similar concerns are, are what are what are they looking for? What are they searching for? Will um, well, I mean, I, I don't. It's a good question. I mean, I, we're I haven't heard a lot about that. I mean, it seems like California and New York tend to be ahead of the curve with that kind of stuff. But I assume everybody yeah. else ultimately end up following uh, over time. So um, I feel like there was some stuff that happened in New York, but it mainly affected chains and franchise organizations uh although i think there's more coming down the pike um but i'm not sure i haven't heard a ton about it to be honest with you okay that doesn't mean that it's it's not a very relevant issue but um um i don't know that maybe just people are just you know we just haven't had an opportunity to talk to enough folks yet about it got it yeah, it's it's tough uh, political environment, in my opinion. I can imagine. I can imagine. Um, well, so talk a little bit about. Um, and you have so you have four. Yours are all are they all different concepts, right? All of your restaurants. They're all named differently, but uh, basically, three are pizzerias, and one is a Mexican concept. Three pizzerias and one Mexican. Okay. Got it. Um, so, 
when was and when's the do do you have any that you plan to open in the near future? Um, I've been trying to put on breaks for some time, but on average, I open up a restaurant, you know, one every two years on average. Uh, if they don't work out the way that the results that I'm looking for, I'll sell them or I'll keep them. But uh, I'm looking at one, one maybe two concepts in the next two years. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Do you? Um, I'm very, very patient. You're very patient. Why is that? What's have you? What have you? What have What have you learned about the value of patience in this business? So uh, there's certain uh, scenarios that will increase your likelihood of success when opening up a restaurant and. One of those scenarios is when a landlord or a developer comes knocking on my door hmm. asking for me to go into their property. And uh, the reason that's important is they recognize you as, um, you know, a, a market leader. Um, they, they love your concept, love the way you operate. Uh, they feel like your, your business model is going to enhance their center. Um, there's a number of reasons why they come courting and, uh, those are the most favorable. And oftentimes when I'm patient and when wait, waiting for others to call on us, uh, that's where we get our best deals. That's where we get our best, uh, TI dollars. That's where we, uh, can structure the best terms. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. That's a fortunate, fortunate place to be. Um, and, and on that note, when you, Tell me a little bit about lease negotiation, ownership versus you know owning your building versus leasing, and just what are some of the conversations you have with with people about that, and some of the important um, points that come with that. Yeah. Yes, the majority of uh, folks obviously have to lease. It really comes down to you know access to capital. If you have the capital, I recommend you try to purchase your building. That's always. Uh, the most favorable um, situation you could get yourself into if you have the funds. But uh, in general, you know, very large, I don't know, 80% plus uh, of, of restaurateurs are leasing because of the capital requirements. So lease negotiating becomes critical. And uh, a lot of times when people ask for help, on their lease, it's too late. They've already signed it, and I can only, I can only do so much at that point to help them. But uh, I can't emphasize enough. Uh, find a great uh, lawyer that has negotiated, or um, you know, looked looked over hundreds, if not thousands, of leases. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, in do I mean? Do you have any general rules of thumb that you think are important in terms of extensions or, or things on the front, and you want to make sure that that you uh, you think through? I know that would come through a, an experienced lawyer, but I'm just curious, just for folks listening, what are some of the yeah, important so, things? There's basics that uh, every uh, I'm I'm assuming we're probably speaking to a lot of new restaurant. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Owners, is that right, Will? Or yeah, that's right. Okay, so the common things that I run into is people do not ask the landlord 
for capital assistance. Uh, in the lease world, it, it's referred to as uh, tenant inducements or tenant improvements. Uh, for example, um, landlords in, in our industry will provide capital towards the build-out of a restaurant in certain areas. A lot of first-time restaurateurs have no idea that they need to ask the landlord for uh, capital assistance. And so when you don't ask for it, you're not going to get it. Yeah. Um, in, a, in a deal I did, you know, uh, I don't know, eight years ago, um, I opened up two restaurants at a resort, and we got a million dollars from the landlord towards our build-out. And a lot of people are like, how is that possible? How did you get that, Ray? And why would they do that? Um, you know, the strong, strongest argument that a restaurateur has with the landlord, uh, once the, the restaurant operator knows the landlord wants them pretty badly and they're, they know they're going to be a, 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 an asset to that development, uh, the strongest argument you can give is, um, look, I'm going to put in five, 600,000 into my project. Uh, I view my landlord as a partner because we're tied together for 25 plus years, potentially. Um, let's approach this as a partnership. And you, 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 Mr. Landlord own the property. So, I need you to build out the bathrooms, the AC, the plumbing, um, electrical support, um, because that is infrastructure that I will not be taking with me when my lease is expired. Right. And so it's very hard to counter that argument. Uh, and it's a very quick and easy way to determine how badly your landlord wants you or views uh, your operation. And so negotiating those dollars up front are critical towards your model. And then, um, you know, negotiating the right term. Uh, I typically go for a base term with three to four, five-year options. I want to tie up the property for 25, 30 years if I can. 25, 30 years. Well, th yeah, that's a great, great point. Uh, very well said about... Uh, negotiating and a uh if they are the right fit then it helps you a ton helps your business and truly does form a partnership but then the flip side of that is if if they walk from that and walk quickly then uh hey you know it wasn't the right partner in the first place right which goes back to your point about being patient and getting the right right location with the right landlord um being such a key part of that you can't be myopic with that right you can't want to start fast and ignore that stuff because you're your short sightedness, you know, may lead to early, early success, but long term, you're probably setting yourself up for a tough situation. I, I I've negotiated leases for six months to a year. Yeah, just the lease. Okay, gotcha. So there's there's, there's no rush. Uh, the landlord will make you believe there's a rush, and there usually is on their end. But if I'm going to be in in a project for 25 years, what is six months to negotiate a lease? Right. Excellent point. Excellent point. Um, okay. So the, um, the other thing I, 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 people talk about, you know, the labor market and people are also talking a lot about, 
um, you know, constantly working to build better relationships, stronger relationships with regular customers who are the foundation of the business. Yours may be a little different. I don't know with so much tourism, but although I'm sure you have uh, quite a few regular customers at your places, but what do you all do to try to enhance those relationships and, you know, keep more people coming back more often that know you well? Do I have to give away my trade secrets? <laughs> well, I'm sure you do a great job with marketing. I'm actually, I'm curious to do to drill down a little bit, Ray, is like how much of that is uh, the social media or marketing uh, tools that you use, how much of it is the, you know, the food, quality of the food and um, the consistency of that and the delivery of that and how much of that is just the, the people themselves that build, you know, that work for you, that build those relationships. Like, Got it. So um, this is a huge area of debate amongst a lot of restaurant folks. Um, and I've been, you know, studying this for my whole career, but um, you're going to, you're going to laugh at this because I know you're a marketing guy, but uh I spend zero money on advertising and marketing. Oh no, so. no! I think that's great. I mean, look, we don't, we don't either. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, we we send out some, we send out some hats and stuff, but uh, but we've tried to do it very, uh, you know, the same way. We rely more on the word of mouth and taking care of our customers right. and, and making sure our products really good. So no, I, dude, I'm, I think that's fantastic. I think that's. That's a that's a great way to do it if you're able to creatively figure out how to do this. And you don't have to give me the specifics, but if you're not doing that, then what are y'all doing really well? Yeah, let me. I, I was joking earlier. I'll give you all my all my secrets because it's the execution that people underestimate. You got to execute. So first and foremost is establishing uh, a winning culture within your organization. So what I mean by that is. Uh, uh, who's your who's your favorite football team, Will? The Panthers. Okay, so Carolina Panthers. Uh, their success is determined by what, in your opinion? What what what's the most critical thing that they need to focus on to be a championship team? Uh that's a great question. Um, the so things uh, like. Go ahead. Uh, you know, things like uh, their practices, right? Uh, the coaches are out there saying, you know, oh, you've done a little too many sprints. You look like you're getting, t- you guys are getting tired. Why don't you take a rest? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. The coach pushes the bar. So it starts with leadership yeah. and the standards and the commitment to defining those areas that you're going to be great at, right? Right. So putting your people in the right places, it's training the hell out of them uh, so that they are extremely strong when it comes time to, uh, to, to take care of the guests. Uh, and then it's, it's uh, establishing, you know, what, what are we striving for? Why are we working so hard? What's the purpose of this restaurant? And for me, it comes down to... Um, our, our success affects our community and it affects each other. 
So we're trying to be a championship restaurant group. We're trying to win our market. And the way we're going to measure that is uh, the, the, the satisfaction of our team members, you know, who, 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 and a lot of times you can look at that through turnover, turnover rates. Um, we look at um, today on social media, Yelp, TripAdvisor, all these review sites are, are very big out here in California. Mm. And, um, you know, we have 30, one of our restaurants has 3,500 Yelp reviews and it's at four and a half stars. And so we, we define that as winning, right? We're winning, you know, we are a championship restaurant group uh, based on, you know, some of these variables. So we start with our culture uh, uh, that gets indoctrinated into the staff. The staff buys into it. They train hard. They work hard. And they respect our leadership team. They respect management. And management strives to reward and recognize on a frequent basis. And when, when we do that internally, the guests are constantly asking us, you know, wow, your team members smile so much. Like, well, how do you get them to smile? And we're like, we don't get them to do anything, right? They're doing it naturally. So it all comes across in the final execution of product and the guest experience. So for us, uh, it's a very intangible of how we go about doing this, but um, uh, it's very strategic as well. So uh, to complement our internal culture um, and our goals and our standards, we also try to love on our community as much as possible. So we do a lot of fundraising support. We support a lot of fundraising events. Um, we live in a, in a ski resort community, so there's tons of hotels nearby. We're always taking pizzas over to the concierge front desk. We're always hosting parties for, uh, you know, folks that are front-facing to the local community and to the tourists. So we give away a lot of product, and it puts a lot of smiles on people's faces. Um, and we're just well-recognizing the community as big supporters of where we live. And I would say that's our biggest, biggest push. Gotcha, gotcha. Love it, man. Um, Ray, I could... Uh genuinely talk to you all day i have a thousand other questions I'd like to ask you but also want to respect your time and uh and the time that i had uh, asked you to a lot for this so i'm going to uh i'm going to let you roll but i really really appreciate the opportunity appreciate all the time and energy and passion that you've invested in into the industry for so many years i know a lot of people do and and just um uh, thankful to serve y'all and and uh, appreciate the relationship and really uh Thank you very much for taking the time to do this. It was extraordinarily educational. Anybody that listens will get a ton out of this. Well, we we are likewise grateful for um, you know the technology that you guys provide us, and we've had a long uh, history together. I remember when you guys first got started, and uh, it's great. You know, it helps our team members. It helps our uh, business run that much smoother. So, likewise, I appreciate. 
you guys will, and uh, I'm glad, glad to pitch in my two cents here. All right, my man. Well, thank you. Take care. I'll let you get back to it. Um, thank you very much for saying that. That was uh, very kind of you. And um, uh, we will, I'm sure, talk again soon. But uh, have a great day and a uh, great rest of, the, rest of the week. You guys get after it. Do some good stuff out there. Sounds good. And uh, I know you got the storm coming your way, so be safe and uh, batten down the hatches. And uh, we'll talk soon. All right, man. Thank you, Ray, very much. I appreciate it. All right. All right, sure, take care. Take care.